Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. You guys picked. Look, we've never had a bad love it or leave it. That's that's just a fact. But you guys picked a great night. Please allow me to introduce a legendary television producer, author of the memoir Even This I Get to Experience, founder of People for the American Way, and creator of iconic shows like All in the Family. The Jeffersons, Mod, and One Day at a Time. Please welcome Norman Lear. Well, this is comfy. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Uh, you are one of our only living legends to say yes. <laughs> uh, now. I want to start with something that is controversial uh, and familiar to Love It or Leave It listeners. Now, there's been a debate about which generation is worse. Which generation is Which generation is worse? The baby boomers or the millennials? Now, I am biased. Uh, I am biased toward the millennials. We also have many baby boomer listeners who were angry at me for deriding their generation. You are from what I think we'd all agree is a better group, the greatest generation. That's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> I would say, yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, you guys have your problems. We can get into that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but which generation, uh, if you had to choose, you're on an island, all right? <laughs> it's baby boomers or millennials. That's where, that's where you have to choose generations, on <laughs> islands. <laughs> Some native is bound to come up to you and say, which generation? I think they're both shit burgers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that was tough to hear. <laughs> you know, I think uh, we're the human of the species. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. You know, I didn't... Uh, I remember when uh, Tom Brokaw called me. I was in Vermont, a place in Vermont, and he was writing... Uh, about the greatest generation, and he called it the greatest generation on the phone. And I couldn't believe, uh, I didn't think it was a good title at all. I didn't think, because I don't, at that time you couldn't look at us, and certainly not now, and talk about any generation that's the greatest generation. We've all made so many fucking mistakes. Fair enough. Well, I guess that in a way is hopeful. That's where, that's where, yeah, that's where I get my hope every day. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, that's reassuring, too. You know, we're not getting worse. Uh, so there's a fact. Now, you obviously created All in the Family. There's something that blew me away, which uh, speaks to the change that the country was going through at the time, which is that the show Bewitched and the show All in the Family were on at the same time. And I think that speaks to the incredible change that the country was going through at the time. The difference between the politics of those two shows is extraordinary. How do you think 
that moment of tumult and all the anger and vitriol and, and anxiety that went into it, how, do you, how, how much does it relate to what we're going through now? Or does it not compare to what was going on back then? I, I never thought I would live to see a Donald Trump. And we didn't have one then. And we haven't had one in between then and now. Uh, not a DT. Not a Donald Trump. That's something very new. You know, I, I thought from the very beginning that he represented the, the middle finger of the American right hand. <laughs> hey, you just named the episode. You know, this is the kind of lean... What's that? You just named the episode. <laughs> well, American people have every right to be frustrated in their emotionally crowded lives. Difficult being a human being in any generation. And... Uh, I, leadership just sucks around <laughs> this, you know. If you're looking at automobile companies and airbags and you got the Takata situation and a hundred others like it. If you look at pharmaceuticals, if you look at uh, Dwight David Eisenhower was a two-term Republican president. And the guy that led, I fought in World War II, he led World War II. I mean, he was the general, five-star general. And he warned us as he was leaving office about uh, be careful, be warned of the growing military-industrial complex. And in his first draft, which I caught in his library, uh, he called it the military-industrial congressional complex. And I think it's choking us to death now. And I don't mean to be this serious. Let's stop it. <laughs> Yeah, you ended with a joke. It was perfect. <laughs> yes. You're good at this. I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of, sort of leadership letting us down, a few months before the election, you said, I don't want to wake up, uh, wake up in the morning without hope. I don't want to know that morning. So I, think all, I, so I think it'll all turn out okay. But that mustn't make us complacent. I don't think there are enough Democratic leaders who are telling it like it is, like they think it is. Uh, now, you were talking about Trump, but I think you were talking about uh, larger forces in the party. What do you think the Democrats aren't saying? Well, they're not telling the truth about Donald Trump, <laughs> what they think of Donald Trump. Uh, have you, have you, could we have a lot of Donald Trump voters here? Uh, you know, I... I, I mean, I... I, <laughs> the man, the man, I don't know who would disagree with the man is unstable. Let's just start there. Do you want... I, I have written to presidents... I don't know, since I'm 35 or 7 years old or something like that, the first time, and, uh, and said, we need a parent in the White House. And I may be older than you. Certainly in later years, I was able to write several presidents. I'm older than you, but I need a parent in the White House. Please be one. And uh, we haven't had that, and we don't have any parent parental leadership anywhere. Uh, that I can see. And, uh, and we earned that. What do you think broke? I mean, you know, you've been trying to satirize and point to problems in the culture, whether it's from, whether it's in All in the Family or so many of the other shows that you've done. What broke that made it possible for someone like Donald Trump to reach the highest office in the land? I think the absence of leadership. The, I mean, people just looking around and not knowing who to vote for. 
And this was a way of saying, screw you, this is the kind of leadership you give us, take him. You know, that's, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's a vast American public that's proud of this leader. And oh, how we'd like to be proud of it. When I, when the World War II was over, I flew 52 missions, World War II, B-17. When it was over, that's okay, thank you. Uh, and came back and, and my country developed a Marshall Plan to get Europe back on its feet. And we had every right to think the world of our country. And we did. I, I, I often think we were in love with America. We, it, it, people are patriotic today. We love, of course we love our country. Uh, but we were in love with it, partly because we were taking civics classes in public schools. Civics, that means they were teaching us what the country was all about in terms of the promises it made vis-a-vis -vis equal opportunity under the law, equal justice under the law. And we were in love with it. I mean, I, as a kid, just loved. Uh, I was 12 years old, my father went to prison. And, uh, and I ran into, on the radio, well, a guy by the name of Father Coughlin, a, a priest who was a vicious anti-Semite, anti-Roosevelt kind of fawning over what he read was going on with this guy named Hitler and so forth. Uh, and uh, with my dad gone and everything else and learning that People didn't like me because I was born into, a, you know, to Jewish people. Uh, I, I would have been far more frightened had I not been taking a civics class and learning every day that my country was not, it was birthed differently. It didn't believe in that, that this, these people were in effect against the law, against the Constitution. That was really encouraging. So, we're in the middle of this crisis. Trump is in the White House. What makes you hopeful right now about the Sitting country? here. It does? <laughs> <laughs> that was pandering. That was a pander, uh, which well, I admire. Well, but, but, you know, when you pander well, <laughs> pandering is okay. These people came here to listen to conversation. I mean, you know, so I did some television shows or something. Nobody understands. No, nobody comes here thinking, wow, Ex unless they're interested, unless they really want to listen to something. I'm sorry I'm pumpering because uh, <laughs> they're here to listen. <laughs> but uh, why wouldn't this be encouraging and hopeful? And All right. I'm hopeful. And I'm in the hands of the next generation here. And we're doing okay. I mean, here, we're doing okay here. <laughs> I have six children. Six children? Yeah. Ask me their ages. How old are they? I wish you would. I'm so glad you asked me. <laughs> uh, 22 to 71. My oldest daughter, I have five daughters. The oldest uh, is 71. I have twins who are 22. 
That's pretty good. They just got out of college. That's where we're. How do you wake up without hope with that? That's, okay. That's good. All right, we'll leave it there. Before we bring out the rest of our panel, this is Love It or Leave It. We want to play one quick game with you. Now, many people have compared Archie Bunker to Donald Trump, but they are different. And I know that you, having intimate familiarity with both of these characters, can suss out those... It's so intimate. <laughs> can suss out the differences. And so this quiz called Who Said It? Called Who Said It's it? called Who Said It? And I'm going to read you a quote. It might be Donald Trump. It might be Archie Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> this was not prepped. Love this game. <laughs> Are you ready for your first quote? Ready for my first quote. California is full of nuts and fruits. Every, little, every, every fruit is a little nutty, and every nut is a little fruity. That was uh, Donald Trump. It was Archie Bunker. <laughs> it was Archie Bunker. You are 0 and 1. Uh, but you, there's still time to come back. God, it was a, it's a <laughs> shitty line. I think it was... Honestly, I had a little chuckle at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> As a fruit from California, I related to it. <laughs> Next quote. You know, when it comes to racism and racists, I am the least racist person there is. I have a great... Oh, I know that. All right, <laughs> uh, that's correct. Next quote. The U.S. of A. never stole nothing from nobody. The Mexicans was only too glad to give us Texas after we beat the hell out of them in a war. Archie Bunker. Correct. One final quote. You're the one that needs an American history lesson. You don't know nothing about Lady Liberty standing there in the harbor with her torch on high, screaming out to all the nations in the world, send me your poor, your deadbeats, your filthy, and all the nations send them here. They come swarming in like ants. <laughs> That's Archie. That's correct. <laughs> Guys, give it up for Norman Lear. He's going to hang out. <laughs> Whoa! Oh! Norman is going to stick around and be part of our panel, but allow me to bring out uh, our other guest. She is a professor and chair of Pan-African Studies at Cal State LA and an organizer for Black Lives Matter. Please welcome Melina Abdullah. You know him from The Daily Show to The Office to some of my favorite movies. Guys, please welcome... Ed Helms. All right, guys. I mean, this is a murderer's row. Let's get into it. Uh, what a week. Today, John McCain came out against the Graham Cassidy healthcare bill, which is pretty incredible. Uh, I feel as though the bill is almost dead, um, but we've said that before, so it's important that, you know, look, they have, they have almost passed a bill that had died several times, several times before. Langston Kerman 
friend of the pod who's a guest on this show, said that they, they pump out shitty healthcare bills uh, like Medea movies, uh, which I thought... Uh, Medea movies. Medea, all right. Medea, thank you. As the black person on the panel. That's... <laughs> That uh, was earned. Uh, <laughs> so Graham Cassidy is this bill to basically cut healthcare funding, turn Obamacare into a bunch of block grants, get rid of some protections for consumers, and throw it to the states who will suddenly be thrust into incredible chaos because there'd be less funding, and all of a sudden they're now administering this new program, something Rand Paul correctly points out, that even as this is a step backwards from Obamacare, it is, in the span of a few days, creating a brand new uh, national health care program that nobody has thought through at all, which is completely fucking nuts. Um, so what also happened this week is to try to get Lisa Murkowski's vote in the Senate, they made a special deal with Alaska. And basically the deal was Alaska could keep Obamacare. <laughs> yes, I heard a what? Yes, it seems impossible that they would admit that their bill is so bad that in order to get a senator to go along with it, the thing that they get, their bribe, is Obamacare. <laughs> I don't understand why that's confusing. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good deal. I, it would be a great deal for Alaska. The thing is, if they really wanted uh, uh, to help people, they could make that deal with 50 states and 100 senators and pass nothing. Right. Uh, but they don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> what have you guys made of this healthcare debate, how it keeps coming back? How are we doing at a time when we're dealing with basically kind of government by sucker punch, where we think something's dead, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, we're gonna pass it tomorrow. I feel it's, it goes along with the kind of leadership I was describing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a blanket nothing. And, and nobody is standing up, I, don't, I haven't even heard anybody knocking it, rapping it. Yeah, yeah, selling so much, it. So much for the Democrats. I mean, there's no strength there either. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, look, Democrats have, uh, at the very least now, a lot of Democrats, especially those considering running in 2020, did come out in favor of Medicare for All, which I think is a really cool right. and important step about the vision of the future of the party. Uh, Ed, one thing that also happened this week is Jimmy Kimmel kind of stepped oh. into the fray mm -hmm. and gave a policy-rich <laughs> uh, uh, broadside against this bill. And then all of these uh, Republicans and people on TV turn around, and they don't attack his arguments. They attack Hollywood. They attack Hollywood. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you make of that? Do you, think, do you think Jimmy Kimmel got the best, of, the best of this one? What do you think? Well, I do think that Jimmy Kimmel uh, deserves all the ridicule he, he gets. <laughs> uh, just because he, as we all know, is a reprehensible human being with terrible values. And, uh, I, and, and he represents all that's, that's just morally bankrupt about Hollywood. It's which is to say, <laughs> he, is my, uh, uh, he, he is my sort of companion in that way. Uh, no, but I, 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 truthfully, I love Jimmy, and I think he's so sort of casually injecting reason into something that's, that is uh, so uh, acrimonious and crazy, and, and there's, there's shouting, uh, uh, and, then, and then Jimmy just kind of saunters up with his hands in his pockets and just says, hey, what about A, B, and C? And 
the staggering reason reasonableness of what he says uh, just kind of ignites this blowback. And uh, when you can't sort of fight on the merits, you start the ad hominem attacks and you just kind of go for creating context. I, I think something's gotten sort of lost in the in the healthcare uh, debate in general. I think Bernie Sanders, to me, kind of confused the issue a little bit with this universal healthcare is a right idea because healthcare is a service. And it's kind of hard to say, like, this thing that someone else provides, you have a right to. And yet... But don't I, you have a right to it? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> like, I, morally, I think, yes, people, like morally, people, because they're born, yeah. have a right to have their life... Protected me, and sustained. To me, it's 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 a little bit that that language is going to shut down Republicans. Instantly. But that's actually not true. The masses of Americans, when you talk about it in terms of Medicare for all, they're supportive of Medicare yes, for all. I, and so I think that we're allowing issue. ourselves to have someone else frame the argument. What is kind of um, tiring and exhausting and fatiguing for those of us on the left? is the idea that we're con constantly countering assaults rather than asserting something. So I think this Medicare for all conversation, the conversation around healthcare as a right, is something that gives us something to struggle for. I, I, I think I fully agree with all, with all of that. I think there's a universal healthcare is such an obviously right thing to do and we can do it and therefore we should. What? How could you argue against that? And then it becomes this, I don't know, that yeah, the well, ideology of, of every man for himself, which baffles me. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news, though, is I think that the, I, I, you know, I see your point, too, that, you know, we, when, when we say, you know, there's, a, there's I think, an unhelpful conversation around health care is a right. I think the most important thing, though, is that Democrats unite around a positive vision. And, I, and to me, what I see is sort of the Democratic Party coalescing around basically a simple idea, which is every single American should have access to Medicare. And, and that runs the gamut from, if you want to keep your private insurance, keep your private insurance, but everybody gets a public option. Anybody who wants Medicare can get Medicare, which, means every, which, which would mean these private companies, if they want to survive, they're going to have to learn to compete on a level playing field against a public option and not-for-profit option. Um, to the Bernie, which I think is a, a great direction to go. And at the same time, there's uh, the Bernie Sanders proposal, which is backed by a lot of other leading Democrats, that says everyone should get Medicare and we should transition to that and we should stop pretending that that's not where we, where we should be and where we will have to end up because uh, uh, these corporations that have been insuring people have uh, made it inefficient and played with people's lives for long enough. And, I'm, and I see the value and the vision there too. So I think it's like a good conversation to have. Melina, what do you think about this debate that Bernie Sanders is going to have with Graham Cassidy now that it seems like the bill is dead. What, should we be making a case for the Affordable Care Act or should we be making a case for single payer right now? I think that we should be forward thinking and I think that's what Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, John Conyers and others are doing. They're saying Obamacare and if you remember when we passed Obamacare there were lots of folks on the left saying this doesn't go near far enough, right? And basically, the whole healthcare reform debate, they locked out the Medicare for all option, which the majority of the American people favor. The majority of the American people believe that healthcare is a human right. 
Even if you're not sick, you have a right to preventive care. It's just a basic human thing to do. And so I think that the Bernie Sanders um, effort gives us something again to rally for. There was a whole lot, so I went all into like, well, let's remember who Lindsey Graham is, right? <laughs> let's remember, I think that there's a lot of, I like political gossip, right? There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff happening. There's a lot of Republicans who want that shit to fail, right? Yeah. Do you remember what Lindsey Graham said about Ted Cruz? Like if somebody killed him in the, on the floor <laughs> of the Senate, nobody would testify, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so let's move on uh, to uh, another development this week. <laughs> On Tuesday, uh, Donald Trump, uh, our, uh, obviously our, our representative in the world, <laughs> spoke to the UN uh, <laughs> uh, about Kim Jong-un. Donald Trump said, Rocket Man is on a suicide mission. He also threatened to totally destroy North Korea. Uh, in response, Kim Jong-un said he is unfit to hold the prerogative of supreme command of a country. So that's a, that's a, that's a ding. That's a correct. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Donald Trump being president uh, is like uh, 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 dating someone that if you weren't dating them, you'd make fun of them with your friends. <laughs> that you're sitting across the table with this person and they say something asinine or, uh, or annoying or ridiculous and you think to yourself, if I wasn't with this person, this is the kind of person I fucking hate. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Sorry. That's some interesting... You've had some toxic relationships, it sounds like. <laughs> Maybe you break up with that person? Is that... I, I'm not a therapist, but that's... <laughs> it did not last. <laughs> uh, he ended up being indicted for colluding with Russia. Okay. Oh, stop. It's never going to happen. Pardon himself in a tweet. <laughs> it's hard to impeach your significant other. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Kim Jong-un went on to say something I do profoundly disagree with, which is, I will surely and definitely tame the mentally deranged U.S. dotard with fire, uh, which introduced to many people the word dotard. Uh, Melina, Melina, had you been from, would you dotard, was that a word on the, on the tip of your tongue before this? No, but it's really appropriate when applied to Donald Trump. It's, yes. It's the exact right word. Uh, and as someone who has called him a dotty old racist for a very long time, uh, I would just point out that this week I was plagiarized by both the fat Jew and Kim Jong-un. The fat Jew is a uh, Twitter thief. Uh, he's, he's a Twitter thief. He steals jokes from people and he tweets them. Uh, and he made a lot of money doing this. Uh, which speaks to the decline in the culture we were referencing <laughs> earlier. Uh, we learned today in, in reports that uh, internally at the White House, nobody wanted Trump to go on the UN to the UN and call him Rocket Man. Uh, <laughs> uh, even a CIA profile of Kim assessed that he has a massive ego and reacts harshly and sometimes lethally to insults and perceived slights. 
what are we going to do to convince Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un that they're in love with each other? I, I really think if they do get in the same room together, like, it'll be stars and ponies and rainbows. Like, they, they, they are the same. There's something, like, that... that, that they're sort of emotionally the same. There's a There's similarity. A, There's yeah. a deeply troubling similarity that might lead to the extinguishing of all life on the or, planet. Or they just bring out the best in each other. Like, it sort of it cancels out all the sort of icky stuff, and they just become these really benevolent leaders of their countries. And I, 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 I think he's right. <laughs> right? One way it could go, for sure. Yeah, that's one way it could Crazier go. things has ha have happened. Yeah. I think Ed is right. They bring, out, they bring out the best in each other, which represents the worst in the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That is a shame. That is a shame. Norman, you fought in the last war that used nuclear weapons. How are you feeling? Well, you know, we didn't use nuclear weapons in the war. We used it as the exclamation point to that war. And... Uh, I, I, I remember it being in a multitude of, of conversations, GIs, still abroad, uh, who just hated what happened in Japan with the dropping of the hydrogen bomb. And I think we're still, I mean, you know, if we think about it and talk about it, we're ashamed of it. Okay. No joke there. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's funny. <laughs> Do you think it's funny, Ed? <laughs> this is very exciting for me having you here. <laughs> that was fun too. That, <laughs> that was exciting. Uh, I don't know what to say about North Korea. The wrong people are in charge of both fucking places. What is there to say? I hope we don't die in a conflagration. I hope nobody dies in a conflagration. Any other comments on North Korea? I, you really went out on a limb there. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> listen, like, I, listen, I don't, I tell it like it is, all right? And I'm not afraid to say things that people might disagree with. I hope that Donald Trump being president doesn't cause a nuclear fucking holocaust. <laughs> what's, I think you should invite, what's the name of the uh, basketball player who's been to Korea, North Korea 10 times? Dennis Rodman. Yes, have him here. We should have him here. Yeah. Mukta? Uh, Norman has a guest idea, uh, and you can tell him no if you want. But I'm not going to do it. Has anybody talked to him? I don't know anybody in media who's had a conversation with Rodman. Yeah, Rodman? Yeah. I, I've never met the man. Um, I remember him being an exciting personality when he played for a team. Yes. Chicago. For Chicago. Yes. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls. Some other Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan. Yes. Scotty Pippen. Someone named Paxton. Right? Sean? Bill. It's not Bill. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> Come out here, make me look like a moron. I just wanted to lighten the load. Is this, what are we going to do about North Korea? What, are we going to solve it here? I don't think so. I think we did. I think we, think we did. Yeah. 
Well, what would happen if we made up our minds to solve it here? I think we'd get... Let's decide to we, do it. We might be here till one or two in the morning. <laughs> we need I, somebody I to take that. notes. It's probably going to be something we've got to write up. Yeah. You know, I don't think we can just riff. I think we got to put it down. I think we got to get a note taker. Could we at least not leave until we have a strongly worded letter for Kim Jong? For yeah. Trump or, or Kim? Kim Both. The one each. It could be the same letter. Yeah. <laughs> they won't know. They won't know. When we come back, <laughs> a segment we call the Russia stuff. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back. We're back. Now for a segment we call The Russia Stuff. It's very simple. We're going to spend two minutes talking about Russia because it's still happening and it's important, but there's not much we can do about it. We've got to stay focused on the things that are really going to affect people, like healthcare and immigration, but there's a lot going on with The Russia Stuff. So we've got two minutes on the clock. I'm going to run through it and then throw it over to you guys. Are we ready? Go. This week, uh, Manafort was threatened with an indictment. Paul Manafort is absolutely fucked. Uh, it's just true. Every single way that a person... I mean, never has someone looked as guilty as they were. His suits look guilty of collusion. His suits look like a criminal's fucking suits. Ty Cobb, a name of a lawyer in this, impossibly, with a handlebar mustache, was caught, at a New York, caught by a New York Times reporter at a BLT steakhouse walking through all the details of everything, including the fact that the White House counsel has a safe with secret documents in it. That was exciting. The FBI was wiretapping Paul Manafort since 2014. The RNC has been using funds to pay more than $420,000 in legal fees for, Russia, for the Russia probe, including for Trump and his fucking idiot kids, which I love because I hope those RNC donors are pretty fucking pleased. You are supporting the legal defense of Donald Trump, a, a supposed billionaire. Terrific. <laughs> Facebook is turning over 3,000 ads to congressional committees. And today, the government notified 21 states that Russian hackers targeted their systems before last year's presidential election. The Russia stuff. 
Norman? I, I, th I think something's wrong there. <laughs> Norman thinks something's wrong there. Melina, where are you at on the Russia stuff? It feels like a movie. The one thing that I'm proud of is Howard University hired James Comey and the students shut him down oh, when they tried to have him as the convocation speaker. So today, I am very proud to be a graduate of Howard University okay. and of the students there. Ed, the Russia stuff. Um, well, as a vessel for, uh, Russia paid me to buy a lot of Facebook ads. Got it, got it, and got it, so, got it. Uh, I've got a lot of cash on the line here, and I really hope this all just washes out. Yes, <laughs> that's, you know, that's interesting about Comey at Howard. I didn't know that. Yeah, isn't that what, crazy? What was, the, um, what was the logic for not having him? What was the reason? Why do we not want Comey at Howard University? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, what, there's a lot of reasons it could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we don't want to legitimize the surveillance state. We don't want to legitimize it. So, so this whole Russia stuff, right? Um, and in fact, the entire Trump presidency tries to get us to believe that if you are not a card-carrying member of the Ku Klux Klan, of the neo-Nazis, then you're somehow on our side. Comey is not a friend of black people. Howard University is a historically black college. We don't want him there. He has no place there. And so the students were standing up for the legacy that is Howard University, that is, you know, comes out of the Freedmen's Bureau, that is the struggle of Frederick Douglass. And they're saying, we're not going to sell ourselves out to any gradation of white supremacy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought it might be because... He also, in addition, uh, wrote a letter that elected Donald Trump, which uh, was a real uh, boneheaded move, I think. Um, when we come back... <laughs> okay, stop. And we're back! <laughs> now for a segment called Okay, Stop. Uh, here's how it works. We're going to roll a clip. And then we just say, okay, stop, and we stop it as it goes, and we talk about it. Uh, this week, protests and police have been filling the streets in St. Louis following the acquittal of a white police officer who shot and killed a black suspect in 2011. The victim, Anthony Lamar Smith, was in a car chase that lasted three minutes. At one point, the officer, Jason Stockley, was recorded on tape saying, we're going to kill this motherfucker, don't you know it? Here's a clip from Fox News covering the protest with NRA spokesperson Dana Loesch. Uh, let's roll the clip. I hope the police are able to be empowered to protect their city. They seem to be. They seem to be much more organized. But I was speaking with Dave Glover, who's on my affiliate KFTK, I think you're familiar with. He says he fears a lot for tomorrow. He says, is okay, it going to be a YouTube? Brian Kilmeade's eyes are a little beady. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. I hate to beady eye shame, but... Look, let me add something. This whole notion that police have to be empowered to protect their cities, right? That's the okay stop, right? <laughs> police, especially in places like St. Louis, but also places that seem to be liberal, like Los Angeles, where they kill more people than any other city in the country, right? 
Police are over-empowered. If we think about what was said, Stockley, this is not just murder, it's premeditated murder, followed by a cover-up, because what you didn't say is he tried to plant a gun and got caught, right? Um, so the notion that we need to empower this kind of behavior is hugely problematic and something that we should all be up in arms about, so there should be protests in the street. On Saturday and Ed Sheeran on Sunday, and yeah. with those big crowds and all the cameras, they feel as though they're organized enough online and they're coming from out of state. They talk to people from South Carolina. He thinks the right. worst is yet to come, if not tonight, over the weekend. It could very well happen. It would be a great opportunity for them to get more media attention. Um, and look, here's the thing shutting down highways. Okay, stop. I <laughs> <laughs> Melina, what do you make of this argument? that this is, a, this is a, just a bunch of people trying to get media attention. So, I'm sorry, why is there an NRA person just being handed media attention <laughs> as a premise yeah. of this whole piece? Well, it's interesting, right, but, what, that sorry. they would decide that she's the right person to comment. What, it's Fox. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's because it's on Fox News. That's right, that's right. Right. Um, Actually, I don't think she's necessarily completely wrong, right? Part of the purposes of protest is to raise the issue, right? How do we raise issues? Yeah, we want to be out in the streets. We want to educate our immediate community. And we want everybody to know about it. We wouldn't be talking about it right now if there weren't media attention, right? right. And so, yeah, that's important to get media attention. It's like she's like, I miss the good old days when the protesters were white and they hope nobody saw. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm really curious. There's so many people who are busting from out of town. And Brian, you know this. You and I okay, about this. Okay, stop. <laughs> to get bust to damn St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> For a protest, right? Yeah, maybe to see the arch. I would see the arch. It goes over the river or it's next to it. I don't know. That's why I'd go check it out. And I'd probably fly, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Right, and on the left, we don't have no money for buses anyway. Right. So she's lying. Yeah. <laughs> Regards to Ferguson, there were so many people bust into Ferguson. Yeah. If all of these individuals <laughs> want to claim that there's something wrong with the system, why don't they vote? Why was voter turnout so bad? Okay, stop. <laughs> vote for what? <laughs> Who are we voting for? Voting would have kept Stockley from being on the police force in the first place? Is there an option to vote that dismantles policing as we know it? Is there an option to do that? So what is she talking about? And to top it off, black people do vote, right? So there's this misinformation um, given that black people don't vote, but black people are some of the most stable voters in the country, right? And so, and we were the ones who weren't fool enough to vote for Donald Trump, right? That was white yeah. folks. Not to mention, he doesn't know who voted. What did she go? Shut that out there with a fucking clipboard. You know, like, you don't check anything off. She saw a crowd of people she didn't like who were the color she's not, you know, right. super enamored of and decided that those people don't vote. They just protest. Right.
the people don't even aren't even aware of the judges running like the judge Brian who gave the decision in this case because it wasn't a jury trial it was this judge's decision nobody was even aware you could vote for or against these individuals so don't claim that there's something wrong with the system when your lack of a vote shapes that system you were part of that system you have to participate in your community that's a huge okay stop I've just fallen in love (laughs) (laughs) there's been a love connection um uh, we'll set that up. I don't know. I don't know how to get to Brian. I guess we'll get to, we'll get to somebody to get... We'll go to Kimmel, to Kilmeade, to Dana Loesch. Because I think that's the connection this week. The thing about the... It's also... She's like, why won't these people participate? They are on the street. This is exactly. what they're doing. What do you have to do yeah. to participate? Like, just... You have to shoot at something? Like, is it shooting at a target? Like, what is she looking for? Right. I mean, I think one of the things that on the right they keep saying is, like... On the left, all you're supposed to do is vote and go home. Anytime we're talking about change in this country or in the world, it is a combination of voting, electoral politics, and engagement on the street. There is a place for protest. And we're not going to get the kind of change we need without it. Yeah. I mean, we have seen over and over again one of the few things that has the capacity to rest the microphone away from Donald Trump, it's not, it's not Democratic senators on the floor of the Senate. Right. It's not. I mean, it's not a, detri- not a criticism of them. It's, that's how it works. He's got the bully pulpit. But people on the streets, whether it's the Women's March or people showing up at the airport or people showing up in St. Louis, have managed to take the microphone. And I think that that is what she doesn't like, right? Because this is participation. These are people participating in our democracy right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Great comment. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Thank you. I hope there's peace tomorrow. I hope that people can solve this civilly. I pray for my city. I will say, too, that uh, two reporters I spoke to, one of which was Dave, he says if he was more fearful as night fell this day, on this day, than he was at any time during Ferguson. And if we put okay, up some stop. of the video. <laughs> so it's really interesting what brings white people fear as opposed to what brings black people fear. Right. If we think about St. Louis, if we think about Ferguson, if we think about every single day, I'm a single mother of three kids. Right. Every single day we have to be. I try to say I live without fear, but I live with deep concern for the safety of my children. Right. Every single day, black people have to be worried about our lives, not because of what's happening in our neighborhoods, but because of what's happening by the people who are supposed to be keeping us safe. So when they're talking about fear, they're talking about specific fear that they have of black people up rising up and demanding justice. Yeah, and also just how much for them the conversation depends on painting protesters as violent. You know, these are, uh, you know, whether it's pointing, whether it's everyone pointing cameras at a flaming garbage can during a women's march in which millions marched peacefully. And no one was arrested. And no one was arrested. Or uh, St. Louis or Ferguson or many of the other Black Lives Matter protests where the vast, vast majority of people who are showing up and demanding justice are showing up to protest peacefully. But they don't want it to be about that. They want it to be about about violence because that's how they scare the people watching. And if we told the truth, right, Black Lives Matter protesters have demonstrated peacefully and vigorously, right? So we believe in nonviolent direct action. We believe in the same tactics of the civil rights movement and other movements before us. We believe in disruption. 
but we're not the ones walking through neighborhoods with torches. We're not the ones driving cars into people. We're not the ones, you know, stabbing people with flagpoles. That's her folks. <laughs> and I thought something that was really uh, instructive was uh, there was video of St. Louis police officers shouting, whose streets are streets, mm-hmm. as a taunt to protesters. And I, and I think, look, I, I'm actually curious what you think about this, which because all these protests, you know, these are spurred by uh, individual actions, right, but speak to a deeper cultural problem inside of police forces in our, in our society. Uh, that chant to me spoke to a cultural problem above any specific incidents. Do you think, like, what do you, how do you think you change that culture? How do these protests help change that culture? How do we change the mindset of the officers who were doing that? Is that what you're or, asking? Yeah, or just how do, we change, how do we change policing in that way? Like, what, is the, what, what makes you hopeful about how things can change, I suppose, is the question. So let me be straight up. I don't believe that policing as it exists can be reformed. I believe in the transformation of our public safety system. I believe that if you look at every single study and what builds safe communities, it's the investment in livable wage jobs, mental health resources, after school programs. That's what creates safe communities. What makes our communities unsafe is the fact that in every major city, police take up upwards of 50% of our city budgets here in Los Angeles. 54% of the city budget goes directly to police. If we freed up that money, we'd have safe communities. So we need a holistic approach to public safety rather than tinkering with a system that was created to keep us oppressed. 54%. 54% of LA budget goes to LAPD. Of the city's budget yes. goes to the police. Yes. That is a staggering fact. Yes. I agree. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Every major city is up, up above 50%. Oakland is now at 63%. Let's roll the rest of this awful clip. <laughs> From Ferguson, we know how bad that got. All right. Well, perfect. <laughs> yeah. That Kemp. got real bad. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, a new segment I'm very excited about. Is that coordinated? Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights. Bolder solutions. Better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. And we're back. This week, 
footage of MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell having an outburst during uh, breaks leaked. And uh, a lot of people were watching this video of Lawrence dealing with some kind of a problem in his control room. Now, I actually didn't think Lawrence, I thought Lawrence did okay. In the pantheon of people yelling on set of a television show in a stressful situation, like, it's like .2 Bill O'Reilly's, right? It's just like not even, not even close. And, and that's especially true uh, once you hear, now we could, we, we, in watching the clip, you see Lawrence's side, but you cannot hear uh, what's going on in Lawrence's ear. So in a new segment called uh, Out of Control Room, we have, we have actually, we have obtained the audio uh, from the other side of Lawrence, what Lawrence was hearing in his ear. Uh, and so um, this, is, this is news. This is something that other people have not seen. Uh, and, and so I think it'll be very instructive to hear what was going on the other side of the conversation. Uh, let's, let's roll that clip. Well, today, President Trump visited Texas, but he forgot to bring any empathy with him. But he did bring a hat, a hat that is for sale. Uh, hey, Lawrence, this is John. I'm, I'm the party planner for the, the office What's here. What's going I just, on? Why am I losing oh, this? I, sorry, I don't... Why do I, I have sound? here. I don't know how the buttons work. I just was... It's, right, yeah, it's so back. Labor Day Someone's rundown. I just need a Labor Day... Up. We're going to have a Labor Day party. Who is, who's to... asking for a Labor Day rundown in my ear? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me. It's John. I'm the party planner for the office. And uh, if, if I could just... I, I'd love to ask you about, about the DJ. Someone in that control room what? is out of control. Oh. No, that's, that's, that's just unkind. I'd love to ask you about the DJ, if we could have some music. Do you like, uh, you more of a techno guy? Do you like the, you know, the, mm, 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 mm. Are you like the, uh, are you an opera guy? Do you, <laughs> okay, relax. Jeez, all right, sorry, I'm not a great opera singer. But we gotta just get some of these logistics Is Donald Trump in. going to be called to testify to Congress? Michael Iskoff has the latest on that. Okay, everybody, start the hammering. If we could just get hammering. Stop the hammering. What? Stop the hammering no, out there. Lawrence, Who's got a hammer? Lawrence, Where is it? It's upstairs. Where's the hammer? It's just, it, it's upstairs. Is it on the, uh, go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Yeah, but Lawrence, it's, it's, we're building a stop for the Labor Day party. <laughs> we can't stop the hammering. The new sheriff of Maricopa County who beat Joe Arpaio joins us next. Okay, I know. I don't this know why getting, I bother to say uh, how to she, cut the slots when you don't well, do it. Can we talk about catering for a I second? I just don't. I, I don't know why. I, I want to have I just, hot dogs. Can you? So these are I some menu options. We just wanted to show you. Goddamn entrails! We're not serving entrails at the Labor Day party. Are you Jesus crazy? Christ. Crazy okay, so fucking sound we coming in have my a, ears. We have a mod, We have a big banner that we made, and it's got some great words on it. You know, the stuff that we really put a lot of thought I told you why I wanted those fucking words cut. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call it out. This sucks. It just okay. fucking sucks. That's it what I'm saying. Sucks this sucks. Out here Jesus. With this out of control shit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now, whoa. <laughs> For those listening at home. Uh, you have, may have noticed that the voice in Lawrence's ear did bear a striking similarity to that of 
uh, renowned comedic actor, star of television and film, Ed Helms. And, uh, but um, but that, that's, a, that's a coincidence. I, to- it's, it, I was caught off guard by that. It must be I weird really, for you. Yeah. It must have been weird for you to sit, here on, sit on the stage and watch that thing. Yeah. Does it sound I, just like you at I parts? feel like I have, I have a long-lost twin brother who's working... For Lawrence O'Donnell <laughs> in a really abusive situation. I feel like I need to get, get him out of there. Yeah, he should talk to HR. What did we just see? <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> that is a very reasonable question. So Lawrence O'Donnell, somebody took some footage of Lawrence and leaked it to the press, where Lawrence had a little bit of a fit on the set of his show, but we could only hear our side. And so Ed Helms created a character named John. (laughs) Could have picked a different name, but it it works. And he pretended to be in his ear. But the real clip that everybody saw was just Lawrence losing his shit for eight minutes with total silence in between. And was it, it a result of something he was hearing or that was... We don't know. We, we don't hope know. so. Because it's two possibilities. <laughs> either, either somebody was annoying him in his ear or Lawrence O'Donnell is a deranged madman <laughs> who needs to be stopped. Or both. Or both. That was fabulous. When we come back, the rant wheel. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. And we're back. Today on the Rant Wheel, uh, for those listening at home, when people laugh for no reason, it's because I fucked up and started again. Today on the Rant Wheel, we have private jets, advertising algorithms, celebrities in politics, daughters, fast casual dining, the success of the film It, the Republican Party's invented fake fake newspaper or fake news site, the Free Telegraph, and... The NFL, the National Football League. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on advertising algorithms. Uh, This week, there were a bunch of stories about 
whether it's Google or Facebook, uh, whether it's Facebook dealing with placing of just absolutely heinous Russia ads uh, for people uh, uh, that were, you know, very targeted ads to get people to either not turn out to vote or to turn out to vote for Donald Trump, sort of racist, despicable, deceptive ads, not to mention, apparently, fake meetups that Russian agents, Russian operatives, or we don't know who, but let's say Russia, was setting up fake meetups for people in, like, small towns across the country to get... Anti-immigration meetups. Anti-immigration right. meetups. Was right. anybody there when they got there? I think I think a few people. I don't think they ever got the turnout. I don't. Think the, I don't think the Kremlin was pleased with the turnout. <laughs> but was did, was there someone there to, to sort of be like, "Hi, welcome to the the, 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 hello. the meetup that I've organized." The anti-immigration meetup, right? Yeah. That's how like what? Hello, it is me. Or uh, was it just sort of like, Joe America? I'm here to join you in rally. Yeah. Rally. <laughs> it is. We love football and we hate immigrants, right? We're, yes. <laughs> I work where you all work in healthcare administration. <laughs> that is what your economy is now. <laughs> this sucks, Norman. Yes. I should not do impressions. Uh, I'm not good at it. I thought you were good at it. Oh, I shouldn't fish for. I think you be, need to be kinder to yourself. Thank you, Norman. <laughs> What a night. Let's spin it again. It has landed on the success of It. How, Ed, did you see the film It? No, I didn't. Melina, did you see It? I don't even know what It is. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, yeah, I can't say Medea, but you're over there, you don't know what, you don't know, you know, maybe yeah. that's, yeah. it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Norman, have you seen it? I never heard of it. Okay. I've seen it. When, <laughs> it wasn't. When did it, how long? When it, did it come out? It has come out recently. Uh, it's a horror film based on a, a book by Stephen King. Uh, it's about a it's about a clown that kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't really. I've watched it. I don't really. It's an evil clown. I think he represents a darkness in the human soul. And maybe capitalism? I don't know. Hey, uh, I'd just like to point out, it wasn't very successful on this stage. <laughs> no, three out of four Love It or Leave It uh, guests and, and, and hosts have, have not seen it. Um, it. It was actually like the most positive thing that most Americans experienced last week. Yeah. It was just, everyone wanted a breath of fresh air so they went to watch scary clowns murder people. <laughs> What is it about this moment in time that as a nation, we decided to make it like the biggest thing? What happened? What did it mean? Donald Trump? You think it's a Donald Trump thing? You think, you think that, that it speaks to a deeper? She's great. You don't have to put an arm on her shoulder. Does he do that? Uh, okay, good. It was a supportive arm. I just want to update people listening that somebody shouted out Donald Trump, and I agreed with it, and she's wearing a repeal and go fuck yourself shirt. And he put an arm on her shoulder like... But he's saying it's supportive. <laughs> Did I? I they, they can't handle it. They can't handle it. It. <laughs> I really liked it. And there is something about, about a town overcome by the magic of an evil clown taking people one by one. But they all forget because they've moved on to the next. Yeah. I'm, see, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. <laughs>
I don't even think that was a rant. That was just a very, very loose chat about a film most people <laughs> hadn't seen. Let's spin it again. It has landed on celebrities in politics. Where do these limousine liberals get off? I don't understand these Hollywood values like wanting all children to have access to care after they've gone through a personal experience in which their child needed heart surgery and it opened their eyes uh, to the challenge of healthcare in America. How unrelatable. Where are you at? I think it was Jimmy Kimmel who got panned. I mean, he, they, the right attacked him viciously for being an American citizen and speaking his mind. Yeah. That's, that's the way I learn. What is a celebrity? Does, he give, does a celebrity have to give up his citizenship because he's a celebrity? Why can't he open his mouth and say what the hell he thinks? Yeah. The way... I mean, this happens to be... A, this company town happens to be show business, media. I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, where the, the insurance business was, you know, was a company town, and the company was insurance. The insurance people had their stars. They had their great executives, their major people, and so forth. You didn't happen to know who they were because they didn't get in the press every day. They weren't media. But nobody questioned their citizenship. Why would Jimmy Carroll be questioned just because he happens to have a television show, but also an opinion? Yeah. It's true also that, you know, it's, it's, uh, celebrity opinions are unacceptable only when you don't agree with them. Uh, that because you, Media Matters put together a great highlight reel of all the just fantastic celebrities that have gone on Fox News over the years, like John Voight and Ted Nugent and Kid Rock and, I don't know, Stacey Dash and Charles in Charge and some other, <laughs> some other people that you did not cast at various moments <laughs> in your career. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, you know, I, I always think that, like, that sometimes it's true that like actors and celebrities take their platform and they spout off and they and I think it is frustrating when they ha when certain people have a stage and they use it unhelpfully right they they aren't informed but they can get their opinion out into the mm -hmm. world but then you but then you see someone like Jimmy Kimmel take the stage with a cogent argument or you see Meryl Streep at one of the award shows where she was wonderful and. Uh, <laughs> Make, a, make an argument in defense of the arts. And it's like or just, Jesse Williams. Or Jesse Williams. Yes. Or Colin Kaepernick. Right. Or people that have used their platform, right. use their platform for good, and right. then, of course, be, get the slings and arrows because people, not because of what they said, but because they can't be attacked for what they said, so they're attacked for who they are. Right. I think, I think using your platform is part of, we also have to remember that um, celebrities have always used their stages, and if we think about Harry Belafonte and the civil rights movement, if we think about Stevie Wonder and the anti-apartheid movement, right, there becomes an obligation when you have a stage to use it for the betterment of the world. Now, here's what I want to point to is what the hell was happening with the Emmys, right? <laughs> Why did they pretend like Sean Spicer coming onto the damn stage was funny? That shit isn't funny, right? And we should keep note of everybody who took a selfie with him yeah. needs to get it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, the, 
it was an Emmys filled with lots of jokes at Trump's expense, and I do think that John Spicer coming on stage was not great and not right, but the selfies bugged me the most. Right. The after the show selfies, like, it's like, no, yeah. no, he's not a, this is, it's shameless, I heard from the crowd. Well, the, uh, yeah, it's not, it, the, the only silver lining of, of Spicy's appearance on the Emmys <laughs> was what a flagrant admission it was of how there is zero credibility to his entire tenure. Yeah. As press secretary, I mean, he—that was his entire tenure. Hello. That that was the. Can we use the word tenure? (laughs) I guess, yeah. His 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 sort of blip of the radar. (laughs) But the premise of that joke, the reason, like the the comedic math of that joke, remember when I fucking lied to you people? Yeah, remember when I was when it was total bullshit? Everything I said, isn't it funny that I'm like saying bullshit now? That is a tacit admission and. I think that's kind of extraordinary. Yeah, it is. But I just it also think... legitimized him, right? It also is legitimizing, again, kind of this soft racism, right? The, isn't it funny? This shit is not funny. Yeah. It's legitimizing the Trump presidency. That shit is not... It is hella funny until we realize that there's real repercussions, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I th- to me, it's... Um, we joke about really serious things here, and I think that's... Fine. I think it's about who you let in on the joke. Right. And to me, it's about making sure that Sean Spicer doesn't get to be in on the joke. Right. Um, and I and I think he's not. For the most right. part, he's not. Yeah. Um, let's spin it again. It has landed on Doddards. I don't know why. It's a great word. It's a great word, Doddard. I like it. I hope we start using it more to describe him. Trump. Doddard. Doddard. Kim Jong-un, in his response to Donald Trump, uh, it was translated as Doddard, but apparently in the Korean, it was old beast lunatic. <laughs> That's what Doddard means? That, 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 the trans- that the characters side by side were actually not Doddard. It was old beast lunatic, which is... Awesome. <laughs> uh, because I, what better combination of words? Is it bad that we're agreeing with Kim Jong-un? It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. When I first saw that word, I, I, I saw it in print before I heard it said. And so I read it as dotard. <laughs> and, I, and I actually thought that it was this like really really sort of gross version of the libtard insult, but changed to be a Donald. And, and I, the Donald version of it. That was the first thing that occurred to me, and I was like, this North Korean translator is operating at, like, crazy levels. Yeah, I didn't... <laughs> I actually would think you'd have to you'd have to pull aside that translate translate that translator and say, "Listen, I appreciate your craft, and I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but you're it's not you, you can't just create portmanteaus." Yeah, you know, look, right. at, it's you're not the academic translating Dostoevsky, you know, you're just a guy trying to make sense of this. Well, but that's what the thing. It, it was a portmanteau and a legitimate word. It's a really it's next level. It's high level stuff. Yeah. Should we spin it one more time? Yeah. <laughs> it has landed on fast casual, 
Which, I, like it, is something nobody on the stage really was that familiar with. <laughs> so I guess apparently restaurants like McDonald's and restaurants like Chili's are struggling because millennials don't want to go to them. They want to go in the middle, just fast casual, which is where there's, there's no waiter, but the food's a little better, you know? Yeah. Your Panera breads, your Chipotle's. Are McDonald's and Chili's suffering, though, maybe because their food sucks? <laughs> so, Ed, uh, listen, um, I want people to say what they're comfortable saying on the stage, and I don't like to do this. You come on the stage, and you say shit about McDonald's. I don't care what these I did not say. say it's not delicious. I don't care what movies you were in. I'm not going to have that. I eat McDonald's all right, all right. more than I should. John and Tommy... They don't eat McDonald's. And then I'm like, oh, they're so, so fit. Why aren't I as fit? Eats a dollar menu item. <laughs> fast casual. This rant was fast casual. You know what? I don't have anything to criticize. I like what these places are doing. I haven't been to a Chili's in a long time, but I do love a Chili's too when I'm in the, in the mood for some fast casual at an airport. You know what, <laughs> I agree. I also noticed that Wolfgang Puck has put his name on uh, refrigerated to-go salads also at the airport. And I think that's a fascinating example of someone who said, fuck it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. I thought see, he was saying eat it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you make Spago. You're a famous, fancy chef, and bit by bit, you're like, now I'm food at the airport. <laughs> now I'm vending machine salad. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm a, now, I'm a, now I'm iceberg for $15 for a flight to Cincinnati. <laughs> Good for him. Trump is president. Make your salad money however you want. Norman? Yes. I don't want to let you go. And we're right, at the wait, end wait, of the wait, show. Wait, wait a minute. I didn't say I was going anywhere. I'm, I'm here. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, are you underneath that? Were you kissing me off? Were you fucking kissing me off? Norman, I want you know, to... You know, I've been told to leave before. <laughs> Norman, I was not. I was struggling with the fact that it's time to end the show. Uh, uh, See, we're, we're all struggling with that. We're having such a good time. Is there anything you'd like to rant about? Anything I'd like to rant anything about? Anything on your mind? This whole fucking evening. <laughs> that guy knows how to end an those, episode. Those poor people having to pay for their... Just to hear us talk. <laughs> I watch them get their goddamn checks and have to take out their credit cards and pay money for sitting here listening to me talk? Why? Why is that? <laughs> Guys, give it up for Norman Lear, Lena Abdullah, and Ed Helm. Have a great night.
you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.